Hello, I'm Sarah Hall, Watch Commander at Hereford and Worcester Fire and Rescue Service. Welcome to the Women in the Fire Service podcast, a show for those who champion equality and diversity in fire. Did you know only 7% of all firefighters in England are women, or that less than 5% are from an ethnic minority? In our first ever podcast series, we give advice and encouragement to people of all genders considering careers in the fire service. Volunteer hosts like myself talk about our experiences as firefighters and answer all your burning questions on joining us. In this episode, our operational fire officers and HR professionals talk about maternity, work-life balance and well-being. We'll discuss the importance of a diverse workforce, inclusion policies and our working conditions. We'll also hear from women currently balancing a rewarding career with parenthood. Be inspired, be a future firefighter. Lovely, good evening everybody. Tonight we're going to look at maternity, work-life balance uh, and inclusion policies. We are all from different fire services and there's not a national approach to any of these things. It's all very much on which service you join. Um, But we'll do our best to give you a sort of an outline of the general feelings towards all of these things. As always, if you've got any questions that you want to ask, write them down in the chat and we'll do our best to answer them. So I'll just go through a brief introduction. We'll start with Sarah. Sarah, sorry. (laughs) I'm sorry. Well, you've, you've all met me before. Uh, I'm Sarah from he- uh, Hereford and Worcester. And uh, so welcome to the last episode in this series. Thank you, Sarah. Lauren? Hi, everyone. Um, I'm Lauren. Uh, sorry if you uh, can't understand my accent, but uh, I'm from uh, South Wales. Myself, uh, Kaz and Hannah have put together this presentation. So we'll have a bit of a, a difference in policies throughout the services, which we'll uh, hopefully talk through with you guys. Thanks for that. Um, I don't know if Han's on. Han, if you're on, do you want to briefly introduce yourself? Hello, hi. Yeah, so I'm Hannah, um, Hannah Goodchild, and I am the Assistant Recruitment Manager for South Wales Fire and Rescue Service. So I work with Lauren. I just don't have a Welsh accent, so we shouldn't have that problem. (laughs) Brilliant. Thanks, Han. So so Han works in HR. So these uh, things that we're going to go through are very HR-based. So um, Hannah will be able to answer the questions from a HR perspective. Right then, these are the areas that we're going to look at tonight, like I already said. So um, we're going to look at inclusivity within the fire service, what that means to us, maternity uh, slash paternity policies, uh, adoption, also falls in, in under those categories as well. We're going to look at work, work-life balance, how that fits in with you know how, how fire services try and enhance the work-life balance of, the, of their workforce. We're also just briefly touch on career breaks as well, which is an option that some fire services give depending on their operational necessities at the time. So these are the South Wales statements for their inclusive workforce. So one of their corporate outcomes is to have a workforce that is diverse, equally valued, all have access to development as well as professional opportunities. And for them, it means being an employer that reflects all the people we serve. So I'm sure over the sessions that you've already had, there's been a lot of talk about inclusivity and diversity within the fire service. So at the moment, this is one of the areas that government is really looking into. It's forming one of the sort of five strands that we're that they're going to be sort of inspecting us on. And really, for, for us on on the ground, 
So in that inclusivity and that diversity in the workforce makes the workforce a better place. So it's about being able to take your full self to work, being comfortable and respected within your workplace by your colleagues and also by your leaders. And having a diverse workforce, we already know, enables us to provide the best services to our communities. So we understand the different areas of our community through being a diverse workforce, whether that be from an operational perspective, whether that be from a community safety perspective, a HR perspective. It's just about having differences of uh, lived experiences that we can all bring. If we were, as has been previously, just workforce of predominantly straight white males and so they'll be bringing they'll all be bringing a very similar mentality to the table that they sit around whereas if we can have people from every walk of life sat around that table the decisions that are being made are going to be better decisions for for everybody so that's really why it's important that for us to to be able to recruit more diverse a more diverse workforce it's no secret that there is a dire lack of women um, in the fire service, uh, currently less than 10%. So generally on a station or, or, or on a watch, maybe um, only one or, or two women at there. The more we can break down the barriers to, to, to the minority groups joining, then hopefully you know, we can increase those numbers and make it a better workplace. So um, Lauren, anything to add on that one? You've totally hit all of that, uh, Kaz. So all services, some form of maternity paternity, um, which includes adoption um, as, as part of those policies. They all vary significantly between the services. As a whole, everybody who becomes pregnant, once they um, inform their employer, which they have a duty to do under the health and safety at work um, because of the demands of the job, once you inform your employer that you're pregnant, then you're taken off operational duties and depending on what service you're in, will depend on where you get put. So at the moment, personally, I'm five months pregnant at the moment. I'm still maintaining my role as a, as a watch manager on my watch. However, I'm just not responding to fire calls. Other females have previously gone into different departments to get a wider understanding of, of the different jobs that we do within the fire service. It just depends on which service you're in. But one thing that I have noticed in sort of recent years, there is much more of a push towards being accommodating to the people that are pregnant and, and taking into account their needs and trying to provide what's the best, you know, the best scenario for them. Any, anywhere that you do get put will obviously be risk assessed because you know, health and safety is, is absolutely paramount with, within the fire service for all aspects of, of the job, whether that's responding to operational incidents or working in the community, everything that we do has got to be risk assessed. Paid time off for antenatal appointments, Again, that's a sort of statutory requirement for, for any employer to give uh, employees time off for antenatal appointments. However, if you, depending on the service that you, that you join, sort of number of, of, of paid antenatal appointments you can attend might vary significantly. In South Yorkshire, sorry, I realise I've not introduced myself. I'm in South Yorkshire um, uh, and I'm an operational watch manager, so, or currently non-operational, modified duties. For me, um, all of my antenatal appointments are fully supported by, by my service to attend, and we have a sort of special leave policy that, that incorporates that. It says on their six weeks full pay, which is something that South Wales, one of their policies, or people who've um, given birth or, or gone over 20 weeks of pregnancy will have six weeks full pay. In South Yorkshire, that's actually six months full pay and three months 75%. And I do believe if any of you are fortunate enough to live in Cheshire and want to want to procreate, they are a year, I believe, a year's, a year's full pay. 
So you can see there's a massive like disparity in, in, in the timings and, and the different services. Um, you've probably heard it through, throughout the other sessions as well, because it's not um, uniform through the whole country, everything is so, is, is so different. So paternity, again, it depends on which service you're in, but everybody is entitled to two weeks statutory um, paternity leave. So with the fire services and employer, that'll be two weeks uh, full pay. Some brigades do shared leave, so that's sort of a, a fairly a fairly new concept. Um, sort of you know acknowledging that um, you know that it's not just the people that have given birth that um, should be um, entitled to that time off. So personally, for our our service, we have a full shared shared leave policy. So that six months that we get can be shared between um, between both parents. Each case is, is is looked at on an individual basis, but. As I say, like going forwards, it's a really positive step and hopefully something that will be adopted by all services going forward. So just to touch on the adoption as well, I know it's not sort of, um, specifically written in there, but adoption falls under these policies. So if, um, for instance, you were to adopt a child, then you would fall under that, um, that, that maternity policy and you'd be entitled to, to the same entitlements as, as anybody who's given birth as well. We want to recruit a diverse workforce, we have to acknowledge that that there's diversity in everyone's decisions and you know that's that's why we try and uh, we try and fully support fully support those in, in our brigades specifically just some uh, scenarios or some examples really from south wales so obviously i take it the majority of you are probably looking at uh, operational roles within the fire service there is an uh, a bit of flexibility with it so there is the option obviously like cars is doing to still stay um, with the shift, but not attend operational incidents. But there is also then the flexibility to come away from the shifts, which uh, I know South Wales work um, two day shifts, two night shifts. So you can come away from that if that makes it easier for you and you can go on to a working week. So there is flexibility and employers are happy to discuss what really suits you and your needs during obviously the, the maternity period. Absolutely, yeah. Cheers, Aaron. Yeah, I think I don't know if you've um, and have noticed sort of in in recent years because we've had an increase in female firefighters. There's been an increase in people going, you know, go, having children going on maternity leave, and it seems to have improved a lot. Probably, Sarah, since you had your not so little ones, you've probably noticed quite a significant change with these with the, the way fire services approach these. Yeah, well, it's an interesting thing, although obviously we're talking about the majority of we're talking about women having children, uh, it benefits everybody because it sort of opens up the culture to the fact that our individual needs are important. Your own well-being is so important and it's taken things like policies for actually people to take paternity as well properly, whereas that was seen as sort of like a, you know, a week off, whereas I'm seeing more and more colleagues who are wanting to like do that shared maternity okay. leave want to have that longer amount of time and, and actually having that courage to say actually yeah I do want to be there for the first couple of months of you know my baby's life and so it's I think it's had a really good effect on everybody not just on the, the actual people having the babies and also even if you think well that's that's never going to apply to me it's so important that we understand about this um anybody wanting to get into the fire service is so competitive this is just another element of what the modern fire service is so this is only gonna benefit you when you're in that interview and they're asking you about well you know what does the modern fire service look like absolutely that's a really good point really good uh, tip 
completely agree. So I um, I have the um, exciting task of being able to interview potential um, operationals, so whole time or auxiliary or on-call firefighters. Um, and I think, yeah, exactly what, what you just said, really. A lot of females are scared to say about in the future they, they want to start a family um, still a bit of an onus on they feel like that might stop them progressing their career and it's absolutely 100% not the case but we are really excited by that prospect and it won't do anything to hinder you or to stop your career development at all and I just really want to stress that because we have a lot of people go off now operationally that are pregnant or expecting and it is really exciting and we do try as much as we can and um a year and support and kind of facilitate that so absolutely don't let that kind of put you off or think that you're going to be in any less of a position than anybody else yeah that's that's a that's a really good point actually um recently having gone through that sort of those conversations with my uh, my sort of leaders it was something that I was nervous about and I was going for promotion at the time and as a service they couldn't have been more supportive they actually put on a promotion day just for me uh, because I had to um go into isolation for, for my treatment for my fertility treatment they actually went way above and beyond and, and sort of put a day on for me to do on my own um, exactly the same as everybody else went through although it was pre-covid so actually the others got a bit of an easier ride but I did it the way it's always been done so um from a support perspective they were brilliant and I you know I sort of built it up myself that it was going to be an issue and it absolutely wasn't so yeah Hannah's a really really good point if there's any questions on anything around maternity, if you want to, if you want to write in the chat or shout up. If not, I will uh, move on to the next one. Well, I'm going to jump in again. Sorry. Yes, go for it. Um, yes, yes. Well, otherwise it'll fly out my brain. <laughs> it's only because again, the last um, for South Wales, the last recruitment drive, which was January, we had a, a female apply that was heavily pregnant. So again, don't let that put you off. And I think all fire and rescue services will be the same from a HR and recruitment perspective you can still absolutely apply and go different kind of stages in the recruitment process. You will just get paused on the physical and practical because obviously you won't be able to complete that um, until a later stage. So yeah, don't let that stop you off applying because we've had somebody that that exact situation has happened and she's just passed her physical and practical now. A lot of these I feel like are things like are still first within the fire service and within recruitment. Like, you know, I've never heard of, you know, that sort of a story like that within, within our service, but it's great that, that, that that's happening throughout. Well-being on a whole is so important to, to, for fire and rescue services. That emphasis, certainly within, within our brigade, um, is is 100% on, on, on staff well-being. Um, and, and you know it's it's acknowledged that your work-life balance plays a massive part in in that things that uh, are, are put in place generally these are, uh, are throughout the UK so um, gym allowance so as part of your contract you are required to maintain your operational if if, if you're going for an operational role obviously you're required to maintain your operational level of fitness so that the, the way they test it will vary throughout the country as you can sure you've probably gone through um, on another uh, on another session they give you a gym allowance whether that's time if you're on generally on a whole time station you'll be given time there'll be gym facilities on, on whole time stations um if you're on a, a retained station um, or on call station um depending on again which, which brigade you're in if they haven't got a gym on station they might give you an allowance a monetary allowance or provide you with membership at a local gym to, to allow you to keep up that that level of uh, of operational fitness 
Um, I don't know how it works in in, in Wales, uh, Lauren. How uh, how do you guys get to go down there? Yeah, first? so so in South Wales, um, if you're uh, on a whole time station, you get allocated um, one hour per shift. So we work nine hour day shifts, fifteen hour night shifts. So you get allocated one hour. On uh, retained stations, you get given the facilities in order to to carry out uh, gym activities. Also, it's been introduced as well within non-operational roles that employees can take out time during their day to access the gym for well-being purposes. That's great. I, I, that's that's a fairly new concept as well. Again, it's not on ops. I'll talk a lot about ops because I'm operational based, but. You know, we do acknowledge that the world doesn't revolve around us and our fire engine, that we are just one cog in a massive machine. And it's really good to hear that that other people um, that, that work for the fire service are being valued and, you know, their well-being is being taken into account as well. I think that's also something that, that we do in, in South Yorkshire. So um, just some a few few benefits um, on there. So discounts. So if you've um, ever heard of like the blue light card, um, obviously through COVID, there's been certain key worker discounts that have, that have been available to us. Childcare vouchers, union. We have a, a quite a strong union. Uh, they also have several sort of benefit discount type things available um, if, if you were to join that. And it all just adds up into making that, you know, making that work life balance better for you. You know, we're not the best paid people in the country. Um, Personally, that's not why I joined the fire service to, to make my millions and be rich. I think everybody who you know works for the fire service will, will agree that the benefits that we you know that we get in in terms of you know the, our job satisfaction sort of makes up for potentially that lack of money if you're in a private private sector job. But money you know money makes the world go round. So any of the you know these benefits, these little these seemingly little things, all add up and just you know make that make that work, work life balance a little bit better. Okay, so shift work uh, and flexible working if you are looking um, at an operational role whether that be whole time or on call you will work it's some manner of, of, of a shift so if you are working a whole time shift then you will be on station um, for the duration of that of that shift so in south yorkshire like in in, in south wales we do a, what we call a two-two-four shift so we work two day shifts two night shifts and then we have four days off most people will agree most other emergency services who don't do this will also agree this is by far uh, the best shift pattern available uh, for shift workers however we acknowledge that that is not the best thing for everybody so you know people some people do not like to work nights you know they might have childcare commitments not caring commitments any manner of you know of reasons where nights aren't suitable for them so in, in south yorkshire we do something called day, day, day staffing so people will work four days and have four days off rather than doing the, the variation with nights there is also also options in most services to do what we call flexible working so that is a, a variation so you'll be doing the same amount of hours but within a flexible system so in most services if that falls out of the realm of um, normality then it would be something that you apply for and, and HR you know would look at things on an individual basis to, to assess you know whether they can accommodate the you know this flexible working patterns Throughout COVID, we've been working um, what we call agile working. So I'm sure a lot of you probably on this call have probably been working from home with that. We like to call it agile working now. So that is something that has been brought in as an official work uh, availability. So it might be that, you know, if you're not applying for an operational role and you're applying for a support role, that you might be offered, you know, sort of agile working or you might be able to apply for agile working. 
and again it just helps with that work-life so so south wales currently only operate the the 224 system um so two day shifts two night shifts and four days off um working closely to us is mid and west wales they offer a number of different systems so mid and west wales work a 224 system but they also work a 24 hour on followed by a 24 hour off shift um, so again, uh, there are options there really for people in different services to look at different work patterns. Going away from the, the whole time side of things, looking at the on-call and the retained for anybody who's interested in joining that, that basically means you're not continually on a station, you have a pager and then you respond from your home address or your workplace to the fire station in the event of an emergency call. Again, that then uh, is able to be worked around your whole time employment uh, or your family life. Okay, so there is flexibility there in terms of when you are available to be on call and to attend. Anything you want to touch on there, Han? Sorry, yes, we offer flexi time is what we call it. So it's essentially the, the hours are 7 a.m. till 7 p.m. But the core business hours, you have to work between 10 and 3. And then, again, dependent on what your job role is and the needs of the organisation at the time, you know, you can really kind of work that to your advantage. So you can start at 7 every day and finish at 3. Or if you're a late bird, you can start at 10 and then you can finish at, you know, 6, 7 o'clock. And anything over that, then you start to accrue flexi then you can take that in like half day or full day chunks so I, in terms of like family friendly it's I don't think there's many other organizations that can be as flexible as that and I think that's one of our major selling points. I keep talking about like the shift of the fire service from sort of how it was for, well when I first joined 13 years ago for being very sort of you know you worked two days two nights for us that was that was the only shift pattern that was available to you you know, the corporate staff worked 8.30 till 5.30. And now, like, it's the same as South Wales, like that, that has changed so much to be able to accommodate, uh, you know, to be able to accommodate, accommodate people's work-life balance. Kaz, just touching on there as well, something I didn't mention um, in terms of uh, with us in South Wales, there is also the flexibility of getting other individuals to work for you. So if you are potentially struggling, you haven't got the annual leave that you require, there is also then the option to get an individual to, to come in and work for you so you can kind of work things out at station level as well so if you really perhaps needed a second day shift off you could get somebody in to cover that and then obviously you could pay that shift back so it's not a case of just having to fall in line with your annual leave there are options going forward to make things suit you um yeah that's a really good point like, and i think that mentality within a station and within you know that group of people people are very accommodating and very willing to you know to help out if, if people need it although when you say get someone to work for you that someone does have to be a, a qualified firefighter yeah <laughs> not someone off the street okay so um career break so again depending on your fire service they, there could be an option for you to take a career break in fact Han, do you know what you're probably the best one to go through this because you'll have dealt with this a lot more than me that's okay yeah, yeah of course yeah no problem at all so thank you yeah so we offer at south Wales fire and rescue service a career break so yes sabbaticals so every single request that comes through is obviously down to the employer's discretion as to if that is or is not feasible we have certain eligibility with us again that like we've said will vary with different services so ours is that you have to be a permanent member of staff and you have to have given two years service before you can even become eligible to apply 
and it is very much an application kind of process that would come to a department of HR. It would go via your line manager as well, first point, and then they would liaise with us directly. The length of the career break then can be anywhere between six months and two years. And you don't essentially have to know exactly how long that's going to be for to start off with. So you could put in for it being roughly six months to a year, and then you can extend that if need be. And the reason you can do that is when we advertise for a replacement for that vacancy, we would do it on a temporary basis. So it would be, you know, six months or until the original post holder returns to post. So we've got that flexibility with it. And there has to be a valid reason. It can't just be, I don't know, I want six months off because I'm stressed because that's something completely different. So it has to be for something like um, I've been involved in people asking to leave because they want to set up their own business, B&Bs or shops or whatever it is. People would like to go and travel. That's quite often something that comes up. So they'd like to take um, a career break and travel. There are loads of different options and reasons as to why people would want to do it. But again, when I first joined the fire service, I couldn't believe that we were letting people have like a year off because they wanted to go and see if they could open a and b And then, oh, if not, I'm going to come back and, and continue my job. So I thought it, if there's ever a plus to try something before you buy, as they say, try before you buy, then, um, then yeah, I think that's it. But it's definitely something that we have a lot of, actually, which really surprised me. Probably more, to do, more corporate-wise than operational Cab and, and Lauren, you probably agree that operational people, they tend to join in and their heart and soul is firefighting. And very rarely do they want to go and open a tea shop or whatever it might be. And it, I just think it's really, really positive. Again, as an employer, to be able to offer that to your employees. I don't, I don't think there's many other services or organisations that would. Yeah, definitely. I think it is a, it is a massive, a massive positive, you know, just to have that, to have that option to be able to do that. We've just had a, a firefighter come back from um, a two year, a two year career break. He went to live in France with uh, his, his wife had a job out there for, um, for two years, went to live over there, came back and he's, you know, did his retraining. He was back on, on operational duties and, you know, to be able to come back to such a well, one, such an awesome job, but two, such a, a sort of secure job, like in terms of, you know, safety of the, of, of the job that you have, like as a fire service, I hope that we will always, you know, we will always be needed. And so, you know, there's that, there's that sort of stability in, in coming back and knowing that, you, you know, that you're going to have a job when you get back from, from doing anything like that. Yeah, so the point of the whole, you know, point of having these sessions, these positive action sessions is to try and break down those barriers that we know are there for people from diverse backgrounds uh, who join the fire service or don't join the fire service as, as it's quite often the case may be. I hope that buyers, you know, interacting with you being able to, to address some of those issues that hopefully you might feel a bit more like actually this job, this service is something that, that I can be part of. I've got a question. Has everybody seen Kaz starring in the South Yorkshire Pride videos? No. No? <laughs> I'll see if I can find a link and I'll put it in the in the chat. So yeah, is there anything um is there anything anyone wants to ask? Um while Sarah's brought that up, this um so my service um are pretty awesome when it our corporate comms department are pretty awesome when it comes to um like making videos and supporting um whether it's Black History Month, whether it's LGBT History Month, they're, they're really into supporting it. And we did this really awesome video of 
all the like negative comments that we get on social media when for instance we change the flag to the rainbow flag for, for pride month and there'll always be loads of comments of you know um, this is like a ridiculous pc gone mad all that type of stuff so we did a video of all the stupid comments that we've had really cool it was supported by like our chief is in the video and our aco and yeah it was it was fun to make and it got some really good press when it came out yeah have a look um, the chief's got uh, rainbow angel wings on having um Having those leaders that buy into stuff aren't just doing it because because they they think they need to do it, but actually supporting supporting something that you know that is really important to you is uh, is is a massive draw. More fire services are moving towards being truly truly supportive because it matters to them. And I mean, I think people generally, when we've had these sessions, everybody wants to hear the real life stories and like the difference that we really make to people. And Kaz, who just, just Kaz has another story about a difference that she really made someone's life and she's in the paper. Did you get some awards, Kaz? Essentially, I was at a football match watching Leicester City, uh, the best team in the world. And just in front of me, um, I saw a chap fall over. First thought he'd sort of just fell over with the steward, which, um, you know, as you know, as any childish person like myself would like, like, like you know, look and I was like, oh, it's fell over. And then I sort of got eyes on him. I thought, he's not very well at all. And um, so, yeah, I went and assisted with um, the sort of the, the on-scene uh, medics in, uh, in giving him CPR. Um, he was in he was in uh, in cardiac arrest when we started, and yeah, we managed to to get him back and got him transported after hospital, where he was in cardiac arrest for a further forty minutes after being in it for twenty minutes on you know on site. Yeah, between um, you know between us, not you know it wasn't a one it wasn't a it wasn't a one person show, but um, between um, a, a great doctor that also came out of the crowd and was able to, to you know to provide him um, with better sort of medical interventions um, than the other people that were there on scene between us we managed to get him back yeah it was uh, I didn't know at the time that, that this guy had survived um, it's very much like that in the fire service when you help somebody you um, you do your best and they go off to hospital and you very rarely hear what happened after which you expect at work but when you're not at work it's quite hard to describe it's very it was very different and um, so the next day you know I was um, sort of trying to look and, and I eventually uh, a commentator contacted me and 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 put me in touch with him and uh, I went to see him in hospital the next day he's made a full recovery I still keep in touch with him but was it not for the training that I'd received through the fire service absolutely no way that I would have jumped over the barrier and had a slight argument with the steward um to you know to, to let me to go and get to him to be able to help him the skills that you learn that you can use elsewhere are brilliant and yeah definitely wouldn't have wouldn't have had the the, the courage or the knowledge to, to do you know to do what I did without um without the training that I've received oh it gets me a little bit emotional thinking about it <laughs> <laughs> For me, genuinely, that is the, the most amazing part of our job is just being able to help somebody because when they're at their moment, absolute moment of need, whether it be in a car crash or they're trapped in a house and it's on fire or that an elderly relative has passed away and you're there, you are there for them. And that, for me, that's a really privileged position to be in. You know, I really hope that that, that you all of you on this call aspire to do that and, and you know, manage to get into it because I can guarantee you won't find like any other jobs that that have that job satisfaction not that i've heard of anyway
Oh, that's enough from me. Lauren, you tell us about some heroic you've been doing. <laughs> no, um, guys, just a brief uh, background on me. Um, I went to university, I uh, did a teaching degree, taught for uh, five years, and then joined the fire service. And I can assure you now, I would I would never, ever go back. I would never look back. Uh, for me, this is by far the, the best job in the world. What we see from day to day, don't get me wrong, there are some horrific scenes, but... Um, Ultimately, it, it is the best job and it will give you skills that you could you'll never achieve anywhere else. So, yeah, just keep going and keep on the journey. You have setbacks. I had many setbacks, but the biggest thing is just just keep going and, and it will work out for you in the end. All right, let's have a look. Is there any questions? How long were people waiting before they were signed to a post once they got through? Uh, before you finish your uh, training course, um, you get told where you're going because that's it. Uh, well, that's for whole time. Sometimes for on-call, you have to do certain uh, modules before you can go on the run. But for on-call, whole time, you, uh, you get assigned before you leave training school and that's it. You might have a couple of days off. You might have a week off. It just depends. <laughs> off you go to your station. That time from applying to, to actually getting your getting your post can be you know can seem like forever but like lauren said it's absolutely worth the wait so from sarah uh, can you guys share your experience of the interview any tips for it interviews just waiting to hear how i've done in my interview and you cannot prepare too much for an interview you cannot practice too much and the absolutely key thing is ask for help do not think, oh, no, I, I, I'll just I'll just do it on my own merit, blah, blah, blah. Get people to practice. Be a pain. Keep going to the local stations. Get them to fire questions from you. Find people that have joined not so long ago and ask them, what were the questions they asked you? Find out about the frameworks that, that they mark against. They'll give you all that information. So is it PQA? Is it a leadership framework? Now, that doesn't probably doesn't mean anything, but find out what that is. All the information is accessible and practice, practice, practice. And the way to do that is to talk to people who've been through that process. Uh, Hannah might have some pearls of wisdom on this one. Again, it's gonna vary um, with which fire service you're applying for. So I've sat in on quite a few interviews. I I'm weird, I love interviewing people. I just think it's really interesting. So for me, I absolutely would look for passion. And that's something that, you know, you can easily get across if you are passionate about joining, whether it be operationally or for a corporate member of staff. Do the research, you get, like Sarah just said, in terms of everything that you possibly can. I'd be looking on your services that you're going to apply for social media, seeing what campaigns are out there, really getting the nitty gritty, because the more information that you can give in an interview, essentially the higher you're going to you're going to mark. My personal advice is have quite a few examples of things that you think that might come up. So examples, situations that you've been in, they don't have to be, you know, fitness based because a lot of people tend to think they have to be. Or if you're on call and you're coming across a whole time, they don't have to be operational examples. I say this all the time. The best answer I've ever been given for an operational whole time interviewee was an example from Nando's. And they worked in Nando's and it was the best example because they were able to evidence what they did, how they did it, why they did it, and then link that back into the role of a firefighter. Well, for me, as somebody sat on the interview panel, I had no probing questions. I had nothing else I could possibly ask that person. And it's not about the level of your answer. It's about the quality and listening to the question. Um, and on that, my only other advice would be don't be scared to take a couple of seconds to think about your answer. Don't be scared to ask the interview panel to re-say the question again. And I say this, I did this at my interview for my job now. 
I went off on a tangent about something or other and halfway through thought, oh my God, I don't even know what, what the question was now. I can't even remember what they asked me. So I was like, do you know what? Can you ask the question again? And then I said, scrap that. I'm going to start again. So don't, don't be scared to stop and start is basically my advice. The people that interview you are only there to get the best out of you. They won't take marks off you. They'll only give them to you. That would be my advice. Yeah, one of the, like, again, I've, I've recently sat on interview panels um, for various, whether that be uh, on call or whole time. The biggest thing for me is know the job you're applying for, know the role. And like, uh, like Sarah said earlier, all of this information is on there. Um, if you type in firefighter role map, it'll give you a, a detailed account of what the role of a firefighter is. We don't just attend fire, uh, fire calls or emergency calls. We do lots of other things, whether that be community work. All right. So we do loads of things. So know that firefighter role. And for me, and I was really have only recently within the past five, six years been taught this, have a structure to your answers. Structure is key to your answers and stick to that structure. And then, like Hans said, you're you're not then going to be prone to moving away from things and perhaps going off on a tangent, have that structure. And if you apply that to, to those questions, guys, you're on to a winner as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, um, the one that gets used a lot is the STAR, the STAR uh, model. So it's situation. So when you get asked a question, so tell me about a time that you had to develop yourself. Develop yourself. That's like a real classic firefighter question. Tell us of a time when you've developed yourself. So what was the situation? While well, I was working at this place and I decided I want to go further, then the T is um, task uh, and I had to improve my ability to use blah, blah, blah. And then your actions. So I did this training course. I asked these people for help. I got feedback. And then R is the results. So, and as a result, I was much more effective at my job. Everyone told me I was doing great and uh, everyone was happy. So STAR, you can uh, um, apply that to almost any answer and it helps you if you're sort of in the middle, like I, I've I had it <laughs> an interview not so long ago where I'm just in the middle of an interview question and you're just thinking, I'm not sure where I am with this, where am I going? So if you give yourself that structure of situation, task, actions, results, STAR, and you can even, you'll often be given paper, pen and paper, and I've just done an interview for the first time where I've actually written down the questions and it helped massively because you just, you know, you just be able to refer to your notes. Oh, okay, that's where I'm going with that. And um, yeah, that's a really simple structure. I'm sure everyone's got different kinds of structure they use, but that's just a really simple one because you're not trying to think of complicated um, anagrams or anything like that or acronyms. So for me, that's what I'm, the one I use. Don't be afraid to get them to repeat the question and write it down because you can then always look back. You can make some notes. You can take 30 seconds before you answer, you know, before you answer a question. They're just trying to get the best out of you. So if making notes helps for you to refer back to it, then go for it. I did it for absolutely every single of my promotion questions and, and I feel like it, it really helps. And, and one final thing, when you're being asked a question about what you've done, it's about what you've done. So they don't want to know about we, they want to know about you. So don't be shy in saying, I did this, I did that. Essentially, you're selling yourself. Um, like most people hate doing it, but that's, you know, that that's the what you've got to do to, to, to show that you're the best person for that job. So it's it's always I, not we.
Um, as somebody that trains or quite often does the intro to everybody that's interviewing for whole time, we say to everybody that sits on the panels, you're not there at, at firefighter level to coming into a service to judge if someone's telling you the truth, you're there to judge what they're telling you. So if you do say, I, 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 I'm not saying over egg the pudding and say that you're, I don't know, you've done something you really definitely haven't, but we're not there to judge if we believe what you're saying, we're there to judge the quality of your answer. This is your last opportunity, so any last burning uh, questions that you've got um, before we, we say goodbye for the last time? Yeah, I've just say, seen, um, uh, are we on our own um, after this session? Um, you're never on your own. So WFS uh, as, a, as an organisation is, is there for you. So it is a really good group of people. I cannot um, explain enough how much it has helped me with my career and with my progression and, and my confidence, uh, you know, from 13 years ago, going to this first session, this first women's training session where I was brand new in the service, I didn't know anyone and I didn't really know anything either to, you know, to, to, to now being in the position I am, like I feel like I probably wouldn't be here if it wasn't for WFS, so so use it and, and, and keep an eye on, on things that are coming in the future. Oh, and Annika, um, I passed, thank you. Um, Annika is uh, one of our um, volunteers in South Yorkshire and was a, um, a, a was a role player for my promotion scenario. Um, but <laughs> I had, she was probably stranded on like the fourth floor of a building yelling at me or something on that day. So yes, thank you for your uh, input, I passed. <laughs> uh, Sarah's uh, just put about struggling with my running a bit for the bleep test, practice to the bleep test. That's the best advice I can give you, practice to it. Set yourself up the cones, make sure you've got the right beeps, Get download a copy of the bleep test, set out the cones to the, the right um, measurement and just practice, practice, practice. Our health and fitness advisor uh, advised us when we were doing our um, version of this in South Yorkshire was if you can only, if you're getting to a certain level, if you're getting to like level eight, 8.2 on every one and you're not moving past it, start at level three or start at level four go and move past it because then you'll get used to running at that and that, at that pace um, and then go back and start it from the beginning and, and sort of vary where you start it from brilliant well if that's it we've had some thank yous um you're welcome i uh, hope you've all enjoyed it obviously we all wish you the very best of luck on your uh, applications and um we will be contacting you in a couple of months time to see how you've all got on please please if you hear from us to reply uh, regardless of how you've got on or where you are with your journey so please because it's so important that we make these sessions as uh, useful as possible and we're only going to get that through feedback let everyone else say their goodbyes well yeah goodbye from me if anybody is from south yorkshire and um, is wanting to apply for uh, for south yorkshire then please get in touch with wfs who will pass you my work email address i'm more than happy to to help people same from me guys and I'm sure Han is the same with that. Anybody really uh, South Wales or in the Wales area, just drop us an email and uh, we're happy to, to meet up, have a chat and uh, hopefully help you through. Definitely, yeah. And just apply because I don't think you'll ever um, be more passionate about any job, whether it's corporate, cor look, corporate or operational. And I genuinely mean that. So apply, apply, apply and good luck. Thank you for listening to the Women in the Fire Service podcast. We hope you've gained some insight into the policies and support modern fire services provide. This was the last episode of our Future Firefighters series. 
We hope you've enjoyed it and you now have the tips and advice to start your career path in the fire service. Thank you for joining us. Want regular news from women in the fire service in your inbox? Subscribe at wfs.org.uk And remember, there's no such thing as a typical firefighter.